Let's see. One, two, three. One, two, three. Okay, that has it. Hello, loyal listeners. Looks like the Cavalier made it back faster than we expected. As you've probably figured out from the sound, I am still in Atlantis. I did my best, but sound works a little different here, but largely due to the Cavalier, I'll be back on the surface soon enough. First, let's take a moment and address Shrike's attempt at podcasting, shall we? Emerald Siren was right. Ooh, now there's words I don't use very often. As I told you all way back in episode one, the only way I don't win this little game is if the heroes manage to control their egos and ignore me. So far, they're one for eight, with the only score on the board going to her. Next, Shrike. If you are already doing what I want you to do, I don't need a new reason to blackmail you, because I don't need to blackmail you. Because, again, you're already doing what I want. Also, apologies for not assuming you would resort to stealing equipment from your missing in action friends so you could watch movies without my help. My bad. Maybe you should go back to that strong silent thing you had going that seems to work better for you than talking. I do have some public service announcements. Pay attention to these. First, using dimensional magic to battle dimensional tech is really a task best left to the experts. Just because I make it look easy doesn't mean anybody can do it. Mix your dimensional fluxes wrong, and you can wind up very, very far from where you intended, or in a weird time coma that would have taken even your brilliant cousin months to figure out, let alone fix, without a hand. So again, thanks to the Cavalier for that. As a reward, I'll go ahead and throw out here, I'm not the one apparently robbing you blind. Yes, I know your hero buddies are all going to claim that I'm just lying about that, but you know me. And you know if it were me robbing you, I, much like Shrike, would have been bragging about it. It's not me. At least, mostly not me. As far as other fruits of the Cavalier's little present and my creativity, I feel I should warn the people responsible for that little torpedo test they claim went awry too close to our borders. I've added a little twist to our border security field. Literally, a dimensional twist. It's quite clever, even if I have to say so myself. If a torpedo were to accidentally be aimed at us now, it would be redirected. I'll let you guys go ahead and ponder the many, many locations I may have chosen to redirect such armament to. Now on to our movies. This week, I watched Daredevil. This one opens up with our hero pretty much crawling, bleeding, and broken into a church. A priest finds him, and right before he passes out, he says, Before you die, well, voiceovers, before you die, your life passes before your eyes, and then we flash back to his origin story. We learn that his dad was a boxer who worked as an enforcer for the mob, and is later killed by that same mob, and Matt himself, that's our hero's name, was in a car accident that cost him his sight, but left his other senses super enhanced. So, on the hero scale, dude's not very powerful, and's got a huge chip on his shoulder, which might explain that whole beaten and bloody thing in the intro. Moving on, though. After this, we cut to what I assume is more recent history, and the beginning of our movie, where our hero is a lawyer in court trying to convict a rapist. It doesn't work out for him, and after the rapist gets free, he goes ahead and puts on his super suit to deliver some street-level justice. 
We next see him at a cafe with his legal partner, and they're both distracted when a woman walks in. Her name is Electra, but we don't find that out right away. Matt tries to hit on her, and that doesn't go so well for him. So instead, he stalks her for several blocks, which ends in a bizarrely timed fight scene where she's apparently there to teach us that Electra also has mad fighting skills, although why Matt would reveal himself other than apparently he's got a super stocky crush on her and really needs to know her name is never really made clear. Next, we cut to the villain of our piece, Wilson Fisk, also known as Kingpin, arguing with Electra's father who is apparently also a criminal. After Electra's father leaves, Kingpin tells his assistant to get him Bullseye, who is apparently an assassin that never misses. So Bullseye gets called in. Matt happens to be in the area when it happens and tries to stop him killing Electra's father. That doesn't work out for him. But it does make Electra think that he, and not Bullseye, is the killer. Meanwhile, Bullseye is super pissed off because he missed Matt with whatever it was he threw at him. And he never misses, so now he is also determined to kill Daredevil. Electra, all angry and grieving and vengeful, suits up to go after Daredevil. She finds him, they fight, she figures out it's Matt, after stabbing him, and she turns to fight Bullseye, who's also in on this fight. Bullseye kills her, Matt gets a second win, defeats Bullseye, and decides to go after Fisk. Remember, Kingpin, the big bad. So he descends on Wilson Fisk, beats him up, and then tells him he's going to wait for the cops to arrest him, although why the cops would be arresting him is never really clear. And that's seriously everything that happens in this movie, which is a running time of almost two hours. This makes it the most boring movie I have watched for this podcast. And if you're wondering how a movie that is mostly fight scenes could possibly be as dull as this one is, I have no idea. But it's really, really dull. The entire movie spends, well, its entire running time going absolutely nowhere, even though there is a story, but I wouldn't quite call it a plot. I would say it's confusing, but it's not confusing, other than how it got made. Yeah, I would recommend taking a pass on this one. Because I am apparently a glutton for punishment, our second movie this episode is Electra. Yes, you might recognize that name as the dead girlfriend from the movie we just watched. So how is she now in a movie of her own, you ask? And I will answer. Magic ninjas. Yeah, really. Magic ninjas. Th that's the answer. Yeah, if you want to stick around for the recap, do. But your hopes that this movie is going to be any better than that last one? Pretty much dashed with those words, huh? Okay, so the movie starts with an old guy telling us how for many years there's been a secret war waged in the shadows between those with extraordinary gifts, and that both sides were always seeking for something called the treasure, which will tip the balance for the war for whoever finds it. Note again, by special gifts here he means magic ninjas. From here we cut to a mansion in the middle of nowhere where a crime boss is surrounded by security, but telling them that they're not going to be able to stop the woman who's coming after him. The guard guys don't believe him, Electra shows up and kills him. Elsewhere, we see members of the evil ninja group, god, I can't believe I'm saying these things, which are called The Hand, meeting with uh, some other guys. They seem to be less than thrilled about Electra, but they're more concerned about this treasure that everyone is seeking. Electra meets up with her, I don't know, handler, accountant, 
whatever. He tells her the body count on the last job was a little high, but he gives her a new job. On the way to the new job, Electra flashes back to the whole being dead and brought back to life by, again, magic ninjas, and that's our explanation to why she's around again. She also trains with the magic ninjas, so she's, you know, better at fighting than she was in Daredevil, although something tells me not good enough. Electra meets a little girl, well, not little girl, teenage, preteen, named Abby, who gets all friend makey with her and convinces her dad to invite Electra over for dinner. We learn Abby's mom died in a car crash, and she gets all friendly with the family. Next, Electra goes home, has a nightmare about her mother being killed by the hand, gets a phone call from her handler, where we predictably find out that Abby and her dad are, conveniently enough, the targets of the hit Electra's been called in on. She says she won't do it, that there are enough too many variables and not enough background. She realizes that they'll send other assassins and heads over to the house just in time to save the Millers. The Hand is not very happy about this and sends more powerful magic ninjas. Meanwhile, Electra and the Millers are on the run, and Electra's trying to find the guy that trained her, whose name is apparently Stick. Yes, his name is Stick, and he leads magic ninjas. I just keep saying that. Eventually, Electra and the Millers get cornered by the evil magic ninjas, but that's okay, because the guy that trained her and his magic ninjas show out just in time to seriously outnumber them and take them to safety at their secret ninja school. God, really? Abby isn't loving being stuck at secret ninja school as the only place that's safe for her, so Electra heads out back into the world to kill the guy that wants Abby dead. Oh, somewhere along here we found out that Abby is the treasure, but we all knew that, right? So she calls the bad guy, they make a bargain that you know, whichever one of them wins gets the girl, and she heads off to the mansion she grew up in to fight him, where she apparently remembers that he is the ninja that killed her mother, fight ensues, an awful lot of which seems to be the woman in something that looks suspiciously like lingerie fighting sheets. Yeah. Abby shows up, almost gets killed, Electra almost gets killed. They do manage to kill the bad guy, and this movie finally blessedly ends. Okay, so what we've learned so far is I hated both these movies. But we're not done. A new TV series hit the interwebs, also featuring Daredevil. And I, because apparently we learned when I was doing those Batman movies, I have absolutely no capacity to stop myself from continuing to watch terrible media have watched the first six episodes for you. Now, this one is from a different producer and different people, and isn't terrible. I'm not going to do the in-depth sort of recap I do for movies on this one, because A, it's relatively new, and B, we're still talking about six hours of material and we would be here forever. What I will say is it tells basically the same sort of story as the movie did, but it does it in a lot more depth, with a lot more side characters spun out, and everything's a lot more believable and less mind-numbingly dull. There are things it handles better than the movie, like, did I remember to tell you in the movie that the main character is a blind? Yeah, I told you in the intro that he's blind. I didn't go into how badly the movie represents that, because, well, there was so much else wrong with the movie. But it addresses it badly. See, the movie tells you the character is blind, but it doesn't really show you that in a meaningful way. It more represents him as a guy they say is blind, but can still sort of see. 
The TV show does a much better job in representing him as a blind man whose super senses make up for that fact, rather than as a blind guy who isn't really blind, and I think that makes a difference for this character. The movie also does a better job of fleshing out his opponents, particularly Kingpin, and where he's coming from and what he wants to accomplish in a way that almost make him as sympathetic a character as the main character, which is good for a longer running piece of media. It introduces some side characters that I'm not going to get too in-depth in, but spins out a life where Matt's got friends, well, not family, because dad still gets killed, but friends, people who care about him, and a reason to be invested in justice and his neighborhood in the city doing well and stopping Kingpin from, you know, tearing down said neighborhood. So all in all, if you feel the need to watch some Daredevil media, definitely watch the TV series on the Netflix and not the movie. Because one is pretty good, although, you know, the costume hasn't got where it should be yet, and the other is really freaking terrible. So far, Elektra does not appear in the series, and I believe does not appear in this season, but hopefully we see her sometime in the future, because she's an interesting female superhero I'd like to see fleshed out a little more. The movie just did not do it. So yeah, back to the TV show. In addition to friends and acquaintances, it gives us a fairly wide variety of criminals that Daredevil is fighting against, and makes it clear that it's not a one-on-one -on -one sort of battle. He is definitely a street-level type of hero that's taking on mundane day-to-day -day crime, and not, for example, huge alien invasions. But it's kind of nice to see that sort of hero represented. They're definitely out there and doing some hard work every day, as opposed to the guys that are trying to stop totally helpless little people who are just trying to prevent pollution. And that's about all I have to say about the TV series at this point, I think. Either the Cavalier or I will watch the rest of it and weigh in with a little more detail after more of you have had time to get to the end of it, but I don't want to spoil anything for people who want to watch it. Because I only halfway reviewed it and we're not used to doing superhero shows, I'm going to leave the show off of our demographics watch for this week, which means Daredevil brings in for us one more white hero, one white female hero, one black villain, and one white villain. Electra, in the meantime, adds to our counts one more white female hero, one more white male hero, and a whole bunch of Asian villains. To make this easier on ourselves, we're going to only count named characters, which will bring us three more Asian villains, one of them female, and one more black villain, male. So that's going to bring our overall totals up to 46 white male heroes, 11 white female heroes, 5 male Asian heroes, 1 Asian female hero, 6 black males, 2 black females, 1 Maori male, 1 Hispanic male, and 1 Native American female. Our villains are up to 31 white males, 9 white females, 7 Asian males, 2 Asian females, two black males, and two Hispanic females. Now, all of you know that Grandfather tends to listen to these podcasts. Since I'm here, I'm thinking he probably won't listen to this one. So I'm going to say, guys, he's a really nice granddad, and he's a good ruler, but he's used to getting his own way. Quit poking the shark. People who get in his way don't tend to fare well in the long run. That said... 
If you guys have any feelings about whether or not we should continue reviewing TV series, let us know. You can do that by emailing me at tropiccyclone at superfrenemies.com, thecavalier at thecavalier at superfrenemies.com, talk to us on Facebook, comment on the blog. However you want to weigh in on that, let us know if you think we should be doing superhero series, and which ones. We can't possibly do them all, because that would make this podcast forever, but if there's something you particularly want to hear us weigh in on, let us know. In the meantime, you can find us as usual on iTunes, SoundCloud, at the blog itself, and on Stitcher.